welcome to the Show Up Podcast, a place where we explore leadership and how it's showing up for us in the world in which we work, and a space for you to explore what leadership means in your context, how you show up, how you turn up to be the best leader you can be in the world that you work in today. This week we look at the role of a personal mission in leadership and the impact it's had for all of us as we've gone and explored leadership in our context, but also our observations of the impact a personal mission has had on leaders we've worked with. Whether that be a positive impact and really helping leaders take others forwards, but also the restrictive elements of that personal mission too. Fascinating conversation, really enjoyed it. And as always, if you've got any comments or anything you'd like us to start exploring, Find a way to get in touch and we'll explore it on one of the future episodes. Enjoy. Okay. Welcome, folks, to the latest edition of the Sharp Podcast. Uh, great to have you back. And today we are going to explore a topic which I think. Um, many of us may have already a close association with, but a recent experience of mine has really brought to the fore um, some questions around. Um, most pertinently, a client I'm working with right now, I'm doing some discovery work with, and it's come to light that a number of the leaders in that organization are asking the question, what happens when talented young leaders, themselves included, have personal purpose or mission that is misaligned with their organization. And in this context, uh, this is an organization that is very strong on mission and purpose and encourages people to explore it. It's it, it fundamentally part of their leadership construct. But some of these leaders have asked the question, what if the strategic objectives, whilst purporting or supporting the idea that personal purpose and mission is critical, then can't support everybody's individual purposes. What happens then? And it made me ask the question, how do we actually come about deciding on what our mission and purpose is? What happens when we discover the place where we're working or the thing that we're working for is misaligned with that? How do we deal with that? Chaps, a bit of a deep subject today, maybe more existential than some we've covered, but... Um, that's where I'm at. How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Thank you, Jamie. I, I, it is a deep and existential subject, but also for me, it's very practical because it is a way of governing the choices that I make every day. Um, so I like the the concept of mission is really important, and I think it's it's a really fascinating thing. It's like well how do you align your personal mission with the mission of the organization you're working for? And can they ever be perfectly aligned? Um, and if they're not, what do you do? So I think it's a great, great topic to discuss. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it's, it's a space I've helped clients play in as well as playing myself all the time is, you know, where does what I'm doing resonate with what I intend to do? So, yeah, I agree there's a massively practical element to it, as well as that kind of, well, what role does the mission and vision, you know, mission play in the way people show up in the world? So I think it's great, mate. I think the fact it's real with a client for you as well is fascinating. So, okay. Well, maybe I just therefore start by saying a bit of a frame. Do you guys have a, a purpose or a mission, a personal statement, as it were, that you work with? Yep. Yes. Okay, who's going to go first? We're both, we're both grinning as we say it as well. It's like, yeah, and I'm damn proud. <laughs> All right, go on then. Go on then, one at a time. Graham, why don't you go first? Um, so mine's always enable people to realize their full potential so that they can overcome the barriers that they're placing in their way. It's at the absolute heart of what drives me. And ever since I did the work to find it, I've been happy. Like an inner happiness. Enable people to find their full potential. Realize so their can, full potential. To realize their full potential so they can overcome the barriers they place in their way. Yeah. 
Nice. Nice. What about you, Derry? Uh, so mine is, I am here now. Sorry, I'm I'm just going to caveat this a sec. I, I've been going through a mission review process over the last couple of weeks. So this is my old mission that I'm uh, in the process of evaluating as to whether it works for me. But for the purposes of this conversation, we can run with it. So my my mission is, I am here now creating a world of golden connections by shouting my joy and hearing it echo. Now that's a bit more I poetic can, than Graham's. I can explain more about where that came from and uh, and how I use it. Go on, um, then, go for it. Because <laughs> sure. I'm massively so, curious. Yeah, I bet. Um, so where... Uh, so the, the purpose for me of having a mission is to push myself to do things that don't come naturally. So in my judgment, if you have a mission that reflects stuff that you would naturally wake up and do every day, then it's not helping you change to be the person you want to be in the world. So I, for me, mission is about stretching myself to do things that don't come naturally. Um, and so that mission, I am here now creating a world of golden connections by shouting my joy and hearing it echo. All of those things are a stretch for me. So the I am here now reminds me to be present with whoever I'm with. And that times that can be really challenging. And it kind of brings me back to know this is what I want to do to be the man I want to be. Um, creating connections is something that I think is really important, but I can naturally kind of fall back into disconnection and, and avoidance and running away. So that reminds me to step forward and connect with people. Shouting my joy is something that I've uh, struggled with over the years. I was raised in a household where joy was not celebrated and uh, joy is associated with shame for me. So again, that is that is challenging. And then hearing it echo is about having the impact in the world and my joy triggering joy in other people. And part of the reason I'm evaluating it is because I want to make it my mission fit a bit more closely with my professional work and the business I'm building um, and talk a bit more about uh, impact in the world versus just being happy so for me it's very practical so it's like um, am i doing am i present right now doing what i need to be doing with my kids or with my clients or with my wife or my friends or recording a podcast am i really present and focused and in the moment and am i using that presence to build connection and and express happiness when i feel it So yeah, I'll I'll stop that. I I I want to talk more about kind of how you get how I got to that mission and stuff as well. But I'll uh, I'll pause mm. that. Okay. Well, I, I realise I've left a gap, which is um, which is my own, and I don't have often. I was really about to ask about... you actually, Jamie. So don't worry. Uh, you can, please please go ahead. Ask me. Um, let's just give Jamie his moment, everybody. Jamie, what's your <laughs> mission in this world? Thanks, Graham. Thanks, Graham. Thanks. Thanks for the space. Um, as I said, uh, I don't often say it out loud, but I, and I don't I actually often get asked. Um, I want to help people make better sense of the world or the environment they're in to help them make smarter choices to create better outcomes. Um, as you probably, the two of you are familiar with the work I do, will recognize there's a, a level of underlying analytics, insight generation, sense-making, um, which is predominantly what I spend my time doing with my clients. Um, but actually listening to what um, uh, that resonates with that, but what listening to you, Derry, um, about the revision or the review that you're going through right now about how to connect the mission more effectively with perhaps some of the professional side. One of the things I hear in myself is how much of the mission I've just stated is something which I feel is perhaps more professionally oriented and how well it works in my personal life. Um, and so a question there about the fit to the 
the context in which you sit a lot of the time is one that I think probably um, for me deserves a bit of a review at, at times, maybe now being a good time for that. But um, but that's that's really the mission that I've been following for a, quite a number of years now. So how did you define that mission originally, Jamie, a number of years ago? I think there was a light bulb moment I had and it was when I was working for a very large organization as the head of analytics. Um, and I was charged with helping a turnaround or supporting a turnaround at a business, a large organization, different country from where I live now. Um, and they were up against it on a number of fronts. Um, I was overseeing what we call the transformation turnaround program in terms of tracking effects of initiatives that are underway, particularly cost savings. And I encountered two or three people who are still, to the best of my knowledge, doing what they were doing then, using some incredible creativity around how to look at data to identify opportunities um, uh, for smarter ways to um, make an organization more efficient or turn it around, with their primary objective being not to swing an ax at the population as previous leaders had, namely just to hack away at the workforce. Their, their absolute ambition was, let's be really sophisticated about how we find hidden pockets of excess or waste, get rid of those first before we have to go after the livelihoods of people who work for this organization, who have worked for the organization for many years. And it really opened my eyes to the power of both really creative thinking, better use of data, smarter collaboration about generating insight, and then more effective ways of making sense of opportunities or choices for people who ultimately made decisions. And ever since, I've been convinced that 99% of the people I've worked with um, uh, from then on in have benefited from just being reminded that that is an opportunity or being shown different ways of doing it. And it was really that spark. Nice. And so that hearing you talk about that is the what's coming through for me is the the passion that you have for that environment. You know, actually, there's a real area of value that I can become expert in here and and offer back to the world. Is that yeah a fair reflection? Yeah, there was. It was. It was. It, it felt like there was a there's a big open space that nobody was really inhabiting. You know, these three youngish fellas who were just brilliant with data, but actually had a passion for not seeing their colleagues being sent home with a piece of paper saying to their family, by the way, we've been laid off. We've been riffed, as the, the terminology was there, reduction in force, US business. And I thought, wow, these people are really passionate about finding smarter ways of doing this. What if with my ability to access insight data around a global organization could i do this better and the answer was yeah why don't i do that well because i probably haven't really paid enough attention to the fact that there's that opportunity so there's a bit of i could become better at doing this the fact was nobody was doing it at any great scale and the inherent what i describe as harshly laziness of most of the leadership in corporates that i was encountering at that point um and have subsequently dare I say, occasionally accounted of just going down the default option of if it's got to be smarter, just cut the headcount. If it's got to be bigger, just add the headcount rather than thinking more about the holistic dynamics of an organization. Uh, made me realize there was a massive opportunity for smarter thinking. Um, and that, that smarter thinking and that better sense-making could make more effective decisions that had better impacts and better outcomes for people, arguably, um, as a primary primary goal. So it wasn't necessarily just about me personally becoming an expert. Um, it was this was an untapped mine of um, of value that could be more effective for many more stakeholders than historically have been the case. Yeah a better way of solving those problems that results in better outcomes all around and therefore has a positive impact on the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you guys come to yours? Yeah, Graham, I'm interested in how you came to yours. Uh, 
So, so I've always been quite goal orientated as an individual. And when I was turning 30, I encountered a particularly tricky part of life. Um, one that I've gone on to notice many people actually go on to encounter around the ages of 25 to 35. And at this point, you know, it was things to achieve, you know, visit certain places, um, be with certain people and do certain things, achieve certain benchmarks that I'd arbitrarily set myself. Irrelevant to most people, but they just mattered to me at that time. And I'd achieved them all. And I was kind of left kind of chasmous as I looked forward. I always remember like describing it as standing on top of a cliff looking out and I all I can see is no ground. And then I ended up falling down the cliff quite a lot. And I remember I went on a leadership development program. Uh, it was run by Steve Radcliffe and Associates. Um, and Steve had written a book called uh, Leadership Plain and Simple. It was Time's bestseller for ages. Uh, the model that he'd sort of talked about in there was future, engage, deliver as a structure for leadership. And I still use a lot of the principles of that today, to be honest. But one of the the program that the organization was at the time, they invested in all their leadership to go on this program. And it was three two-day sessions over three months. And early on, we did a, a why-finding exercise. And it was really, really timely in that sort of journey of where I was at the time because it enabled me to move, you know, the old pies that we use. It very much enabled me and gave me the space and the confidence to go and explore the spiritual meaning behind everything that I'd gone and practically done. Um, and having immersed myself in that spiritual time, I was then able to put the words Brad, do, to it. Do you want to just explain what pies is for people that... Um, you, you say it better than me, Derry. Episode, episode zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, it's a it's a check-in structure that's uh, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. Yeah. And I think what you're referencing is a lot of people, and certainly in my experience, are fine thinking about their physical beings and their intellectual states. Yeah. Some are good with emotional and very few are good with the spiritual side. So, yeah. So that was going through that and sort of immersing myself in it from that perspective enabled me to hit that emotional and the spiritual aspect of what that statement became. Because for me, that statement was very, you know, was very much about taking it away from me and taking my fuel, my energy, my drive, my motivation into the world around me. Um, and that's why it became quite pivotal in defining the last 12 years of my life because it very much gave me that space to start to understand the context of which I operate and also as you said earlier though give me a give me a, a barometer to check in with on what I'm doing does it does it tick this box does it scratch does it scratch that mission in a positive way if I if I go and do it it so it's become it's, be, it's become a, 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 a kind of almost constant framework yeah. of checking: Am I holding the course that gives me some sense of fulfillment from a from a pie's perspective, um, from any kind of perspective? Yeah, yeah that, that's what it does for me. Yeah, it's like a, it, it gives me that compass. It gives me that check-in framework um, as a self-check-in. You know, I could talk to people I trust and I could go and have a conversation with them about that, about it. And I do sometimes if it feels a little bit blurry still. But often I can do a lot of that work myself because I can sit there and go, well, I've got something to check in, check it against. Yeah. Yeah, that's a huge part of the value for me is I've, I've taken the time to step away from the day-to-day -day life to think about how do I want to behave and then I've encapsulated that. What do I want to make a priority? And then I've encapsulated that in a few words that I can memorize fairly easily. And then I can come back to and say, okay, am I doing this stuff? And if I'm not doing it, why am I not doing it? What's getting in my way? 
and then you can go and talk to Graham about how you're getting in your own way about things. <laughs> um, but the other thing that? for me from a, the other thing that I think, I, I think is really relevant when people start looking at this mission stuff is that they have to take the time because there is a, as you say, there's an emotional element to this. And for the part of the brain to actually find the words that go with those emotions, it requires time. Listening to you explain your journey, Derry, there's four chunks in your statement. And you know, I can sense that when you went and found yours originally, even as it's evolving now, you looked at each, there's four distinct areas that you wanted to address in some way in that statement. And by giving yourself the space to create that, the language that both identifies where you are first and then the language that identifies where you would intend to go to, that's absolutely critical for the way that a mission can resonate with you. Is that, yeah. am I seeing that right? Yeah, I think that's critically important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing that struck me, Graham, with your your story there was that you you sort of found this about a third halfway into what we've been calling the golden age of leadership between 25 to 40. Um, and it struck me that the data you'd collected up in your life up until that point was important to inform your definition of mission. And same, similarly, Jamie, with the way that you came up with yours, it was like in the thick of the work that you were doing, like you could not have articulated that mission, uh, the age of 20 or 25 or whatever. Now we'll come back to the fact that actually I was right at the end of that golden age. I was, it was almost certainly about 10 or 11 years ago when I had that light bulb moment as I described. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mission, I articulated 18 months ago for the first time, you know, I was already 40. Um, and I think it's, young has that famous uh, saying, life begins at 40 before then you're just gathering data. Mm what I'm what I would like people who are in that golden age of leadership or coming into that golden age of leadership to do is think about what data have I already got that could inform an articulation of a mission now that may not be the mission that I've still got when I'm 60. Yeah. In fact it probably won't because you'll gather more data and it'll evolve and you can review it and figure out uh, what it all means to you and you can try living in that way and maybe it doesn't have the impacts that that you wanted but that's no reason not to try and write something down based on the data that you've got gathered to date in your life and, and reflect on that process. In my judgment, there's still value for someone doing that right at the start of that golden age of leadership journey. I think what comes up for me, as you say that, Derry, is really, really critical because there's a way of trying to create a mission that is a very, very high-level process and it hasn't got any of that felt sense with it you could go and pick up a book and learn how to get your mission because someone tells you how to do it. But what's absolutely critical is the life experience that sits behind those statements. And the, for the ones that I see seem to resonate the most with people, it's when they do it at that time, it's really, really emotionally critical. You said, like the, you said, oh, I got to mine 18 months ago. It sounds like in your journey, that was absolutely the perfect moment that you needed that to come into your life and and do those things from there. And similar to you, Jamie, I know for sure it was for me. But I worry sometimes if people try and bypass it as, oh, here's the roadmap to success, so let's just walk the roadmap and not appreciate any of the context that's on the way. And I like what you said there. It, paraphrasing it for me, I heard, keep it, Keep your ideas open that this will evolve as you go on the journey in this golden age of leadership. Yeah, one, one thing that crops up as a question for me is that we're all people who have to varying different degrees of either in flux or haven't had it for a while, a as it were, a mission. But we're all therefore making the assumption that it's a good thing, that it's better to have one. What about folks who don't have one or don't feel like they they recognize? Um, what it is. is. Is there something that we would feel, um, are we becoming evangelical about having a mission because we have one? Can you operate without one? What happens then?
Can you operate without one? Yes. Are there benefits to not having one or costs to having one? Um, I'm struggling to think of any, actually. Uh, and maybe, maybe I am evangelical, I don't know. Um, but if you think of a mission as being a a direction of travel towards the type of person, type of leader, however you want to frame it, that you want to be, and a the the, the guardrails on that journey, or the a way of checking in with yourself that you've gone off track. I suppose it it could be there could be a scenario where that constrains you and uh stops you thinking too openly and creatively um, but that might be i think if that is happening then there's a risk that you've not articulated your mission in a way that is effective but maybe i'm being evangelical i don't know graham what do you think where my thoughts have gone as you said that jamie is one in a, in a lot of ways, a mission kind of gives you your own definition of a philosophy for your life to follow. And if you think about, I'm going to, I'm going to go super spiritual now, guys. So just strap yourselves in. Hold on tight. But if you think about religion and the different religions, they often give a philosophical approach of how you should live your life that you can anchor onto when it feels distorted or where you feel disrupted. And I guess in a lot of ways, a personal mission does a similar thing, particularly in leadership and in roles, because it gives you something to, to hang your hat on, so to speak, that you can work around and resonate with. So... And I guess the well, from the research I've read, the research shows if, if you've got a reason to be doing why you're doing what you're doing, it helps you. If you don't have a reason, it never usually hits an outcome. It never usually gets anything done. It, you don't know whether it's been successful or not for you. And you can feel a little bit vague and lost. <laughs> so wherever, if that mission's given to you, or whether it's originated inside yourself, I can genuinely see that it's quite beneficial for you as a human taking yourself forward. And as we know in in, in can, leadership, can I, no, I was just going to finish with one sentence, that as we know in leadership, people tend to follow leaders who know where they're going or seem to know where they're going or seem confident that they could be heading somewhere and are going to go on a journey to get it. You know. Sorry, Jamie, I put you off there my friend no no, no it's, it's, again you spark more ideas and thoughts and questions um so one of the things that came to mind was for those who seem to have a sense of real clarity around their mission or purpose it's in a it's almost like an attractor um element or attractor force for those around them this person really understands what their purpose is they have a direction and, and to your point Derry while sometimes people can hold on to it potentially too tightly, those who hold the mission with what I call light fingers and understand the flexibility to adapt to circumstances that change um, allow them to um, um, not necessarily totally alter their course, but constantly revise it, review it, refine it um, as needs be. That is something which certainly seems to set them apart. And I'm thinking actually that there are people at or before the golden age of leadership that we see and hear about in the public domain who become quite attractor personalities as a consequence of what appears to be very strong personal mission. I'm thinking Greta Thunberg. Mm. So if we take the example of Greta Thunberg, um, she's somebody who has, without a shadow of a doubt, in the public eye, got a very very clear purpose i wouldn't know quite of that clarity of purpose and how seemingly confident and centered she is in it she demonstrates a real attractor to people about a particular theme that she's 
really focused on and passionate about. And I wonder whether, therefore, that the idea that um, while a mission and purpose might be helpful for anybody generally, as we've just been talking about a little earlier, I wonder whether this is actually something which um, going into and then during this golden age of leadership we've described is something that people could maybe consider as being not only just helpful for them, but is a very powerful force for any particular endeavor or initiative or theme that they care about. Um, something for them to sort of consider how how do they grasp something that might be um, bigger than themselves uh, that they they want to influence others around. I mean, that's a fascinating example, actually. Um, mm. Because when you think about the impact that someone like Greta has had, she has enormously influenced <clears throat> a huge number of decisions across the world. And it's far from clear that those decisions have been good decisions. So the strength of her personal mission could easily have galvanized lots of people into making some really poor decisions. And so maybe that is a downside risk of strong personal mission is it can lead you to be to become so, such an inspirational figure because you're living in mission and you're so focused that actually people will follow in your wake without necessarily assessing whether or not it's the right thing right stuff to do um and i don't you know we don't want to get into a debate about the pros and cons of climate change policy but the point the point is that there's that is i think a potential risk with strong personal mission so as a leader i think you've got to have that mission that clarity of mission can be really helpful but i think your phrase earlier jamie of holding it with light fingers and not being so blinkered with that mission that it leads to a lack of critical thinking and a lack of uh curiosity and openness to the way things are landing No, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, an overused strength, as it were, um, where something which carried a, a great deal of um, potency can then end up, as you say, creating unintended consequences. That's a really, really useful way of looking at it. Yeah, you brought some life a client of mine who I asked him to describe the journey we'd been on. And they described it. They, they they said, I can't just put the words to it, but I can draw it. And what they drew on this paper paper was a capital letter I shape. And they said, before I met you, life felt like the, the, the horizontal bar at the top. <laughs> and then we kind of got together and I got this really narrow bit for a while where everything was really clear and made sense. And then I'm now on the other horizontal bar at the bottom where I'm experiencing life in a similar way to what I did before with this extra lens behind it that just makes everything a little bit clearer. And I guess that's listening to you both speak there. That's what really comes up to me as critical with this idea of mission work that like say, hold it lightly, allow it to resonate around a little bit because the experiences we each go through will will test and challenge and motivate and energize and minimize our mission in so many different ways. And I wonder whether it's worthwhile leaders who find their mission, the journey then becomes around being able to, to work with your mission, not be handcuffed by it. Because I see many a leader who finds it and holds so onto it so tightly that they actually become ineffective as a result. Or they lose the capacity to consider other missions and how the two, you know, Jamie, you were talking right back at the start about that symbiosis between different people's missions and organizational missions and what that looks like. I think it can also lead to a bit of a blinkered view on how best to achieve your mission, assuming your mission has some element of impact and outcome in it. And I, and I think there's an interesting thing to to talk about here, which is a, the, the 
distinction between mission and personal values, say, or or principles, and how those two can can interact really positively, but can also kind of trip up because you might have a set of personal values for things that you'll never do or things that you don't want to do or examples you want to set for example that that actually might get in the way of you achieving your mission if you're thought over on a bigger scale or on a longer time period or you were able to think of different ways of achieving your mission i don't know that have you guys seen examples where someone's got a got a clear mission that they want to achieve but somehow they're getting in their own way because they're not prepared to look at new and creative ways of achieving that. Yeah, I've got a really clear example, actually, of a leader who they found their mission, but they were so they were so fearful of the negative side of having it or being not near it, that they held on doubly tight to making sure they fulfilled it. And they became, they became really depressed, actually, I think would be the word I use, because they felt like they were constantly failing because they their be perfect driver was so high around this that they be, they just, they actually lost the impact they were intending. Like that's what they reported about the world they're around. So I've got my mission. I know what I'm doing, but it just doesn't energize. And they hadn't, they hadn't looked at the driver aspect of a mission in practice. And I know we've simply talked about what and how before. And, you know, it's something that I use a lot with clients is this idea is one thing to know what you're doing. Another thing to know how you're doing it. And I think when you do explore the mission work, you've got to explore both facets because otherwise one will hamstring the other. Yeah. Like Jamie, you said at the start, you've been experiencing this a lot with a client and you said, are there any trends that come up or anything you're starting to notice as you, you just shine a light on the system and what the system is, is doing? It's a little bit early, a little bit early in this particular client situation. Other than the big question of what happens if the mission purpose is misaligned with the organisation's priorities and its ability to support a diverse array of individual missions and purposes, what happens then? That was the big question that starts to emerge, which I think is a really fascinating one for any big corporate, but also who's then responsible for the outcome. Um, the second one, which I think is um, really now helping me go back into thinking about the conversations I've already had is where were those missions and purposes originating from? And what were the drivers for the individuals about how they then either articulated them or held on to them? Yeah, and I've had some examples, uh, experiences, you, Graham, around, um, I can think of one or two individuals I've worked with in the past who had very clear um, purposes or missions and they held on so tightly that they were deeply then damaged by their own desire to control um, the outcome. Damaged both in terms of the stress it caused them, um, the, the impact on relationships around them, um, which were quite ironically um, at odds at odds with the impact that they'd had with their peer group, with their organisation prior to them landing on a mission that they then felt that they had to um, fulfill. So there's a danger side of that as well. I think the overdoing it, the recognizing where it's come from and then recognizing how potentially um, lightly you need to hold it, however much it may emotionally mean to you and recognize what drivers are, are influencing it. I think that's something that's really come up as well. But I'm really fascinated now, and I'm going to be really enjoying going back into the conversations with this particular client to perhaps even explore it a little further about, so where is the mission coming from, the purpose? How are you going to handle the the challenge of if there's a misalignment um, between yours or other individuals that you see and the organization itself, who then takes responsibility for doing something about that? Um, it's going to be very, very interesting indeed. 
Graham, I don't know whether I missed some some other elements of the dialogue just before that, so forgive me. Was there anything else that you'd asked? No, the question I'd ask now for both of you though is: so we've got the listeners on the we've got listeners on the podcast. You know, what would we say to them that could support them in the whole idea of having a mission, finding a mission, leading with a mission? For me, and let's keep this in the context of leadership, maybe. Mm -hmm. The starting point would be, what kind of leader do I want to be? And what's, therefore, what impact do I want to have amongst other people? And can I write down something fairly simple, which is, you know, as a leader, I create X, Y, Z by doing ABC. And what, what is it that you do? What is it that you want to create in the world? And what is it that you do to do that? And get something written down that uh, you need, things that you need to remind yourself to do, to step into, to step into doing. And then I think share that with people and look at the, the current organizational setup that you're working in. And have that honest conversation with yourself at first about how possible it is to do that within the organization you're operating in. And I think just the very act of writing down, here's the impact I want to have as a leader and how I think I can achieve that impact will immediately shift you into a different mindset when it comes to being a leader living in mission. That'd be my kind of starting point as a practical tip. I don't know, Jamie, what, what would you say if i was to chip in with my own thoughts about it um practical advice um leaders that i've i've worked with who've had a mission either personal or or not or have identified and then created one or maybe more than one over time for an organization or the team they're with give a, a sense of ambition and purpose to what they are leading for that can be very very helpful i think today's conversation has highlighted me to the dangers of overdoing it or underdoing it uh, both at a personal and organizational level how hold how hard do you hold on to it or how lightly do you hold it uh given what you might discover about the the consequences of doing it but not having one at all is something that i've also seen and in those circumstances, leaders tend not to be leaders. They tend to be managers and supervisors um, where the focus is simply on fulfilling certain tasks and there's no greater ambition to what's going on. It tends, therefore, not to tap into anything beyond the here and now, i.e. the emotional, the aspirational, um, that, can, uh, that can create something, getting people together to achieve something extraordinary either in a team in an organization or whatever the the environment so i think the the benefits outweigh the negatives but the benefits aren't all good or the outcomes of having a mission aren't necessarily all good it's, it's, it's got to be handled with care right what are your practical tips for someone wanting to explore mission don't rush it take time um, see it as a journey in itself rather than a, 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 a keystone in a bridge. You know, uh, and it, remember, it's okay to be informed by other people, but it's ultimately your choice as to what will feel true. Mm. I'm sure along all of our journeys, we've been touched upon by the missions of others and that has given us you know hope or enthusiasm or positivity around our following our, following our own but at the end of the day it's it's you and your contract with yourself and that's okay yeah absolutely it's got to really speak to you and if it doesn't speak to you then you haven't got it written correctly yeah it's not it's not capturing what you really need to be doing yeah, that, that, I think that's the one for me. There's one final thing that I thought it was worth exploring was the um, 
the 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 distinction between the kind of the process for coming up with your personal mission and how organizations come up with their missions and we've talked a bit about the mismatch between personal mission and organizational mission in my experience organizations come up with missions by locking people in a room and having a having a debate and then they they get diluted through a need for it to become a marketing slogan or through a PR lens or it gets focused into the practicalities of a commercial set of goals rather than truly being about mission and purpose. How would you recommend that these up and coming leaders in this golden age of leadership push their organizations to think about mission in a, in a, I guess in a more making sure that mission stays oriented in, in purpose and impact in the world and not doesn't become strategy, doesn't become marketing. How would you encourage them to think about that? Key word for me is authenticity. And I think today's generations are more tuned in than to the authenticity of, a, uh, of an organization. And you, you hear, you look at the lists of companies that people want to work for. Those people who say they want to work for them seem to engage with the, the mission and are checking, is it, are they authentic and do they operate in service of that? At a, 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 a level, like the pies level. Um, the ones that don't tend not to attract the talent if that talent is looking for a mission to follow. So I think there's a piece about today's golden age checking in with that and, you know, asking those questions around how does an organization fulfill its mission? But I also think there's an organizational aspect that, that says we need to look at that too and check in with it but also check where our people that we currently have resonate with it. You take an organization that's got, say, 50,000 people or 20,000 people. That's a lot of people where there could be resonance and overlap and dissonance between individual missions versus corporate missions. And if there isn't a, a reasonably high degree of alignment between that or tolerance for the difference, I think that can cause a real issue for some companies. So it's a real give and take between the two elements for me as you say that jamie yeah, that point tolerance for the differences i think is a really big one mm. like as a as a leader if you're you know by definition you're leading some people mm. of, of some kind and if you can get to know their personal missions and a really good understanding of the organizational mission then part of your role as a leader is to help find a way for them to live as much in personal mission within the organization as mm. as you can and uh, I was hearing you talk, Graham, I think part of the role of the leader is to turn that organizational mission statement, whatever it is, into the reality of the culture on the ground every day. Mm. And often organizations don't have the right processes and uh, culture and behavioral norms to actually align with their missions. And part of your role as a leader is to, if you believe in the mission of the organization, is to to try and live that as much as you can every day, which then becomes difficult if it doesn't align with your personal mission, as we've talked about. But but I think you also, Jamie mentioned a point earlier. He said, if there isn't one, you're just a manager or just making sure a process happens. But there is an element of all businesses that has to do that too. There is management required in most jobs to make sure an outcome gets achieved. So it's great for me. To, I think it's important to talk about the leadership aspects and it's critical to the success but there is that operational component too that can sometimes be overlooked if we're not careful. So what, so let me ask you this, Derry. Leaving this conversation, where are you? So, yeah, it's a, thank you, Graham. That's a great question. I'm, uh, I'm reflecting on, you know, I, I, I lead my own small business and a, a growing number of 
members of the community that I'm building. And as part of leading that, I try and articulate where are we going with this thing? What's the vision and the mission for it? Um, and it's very personal for me because it's my business. I've I've founded it. And uh, as such, there is no excuse in my mind for not having an organizational mission that is... Actually, no, I say, I, I'll, I'll retract that. There are reasons why my organizational mission might not fully align with my personal mission because my organization exists in the commercial reality of a world where it has to support me and my family. And I can't just hack off and do whatever I want without thinking about making money from it. So, but what this has left me is thinking, how can I make damn sure that as far as possible, the mission of the organization is aligned with my personal mission. And I mentioned I'm doing a mission review process at the moment. And part a big part of that is trying to align those two so that I'm living in mission as much as I can every day with my professional work, as well as in my personal life. And the organizational mission of, of the team that I'm leading is a huge part of that and making sure that that flows through to the culture and how we interact with each other every day. So I'm leaving with a renewed passion for reflecting on and getting clear on that stuff. What are you leaving with, Graham? A real appreciation for the value that a mission plays, but also an appreciation for the context of which a mission needs to exist. Nice. Just the importance of both facets. Yeah. And Jamie, if you've heard this, what are you leaving this conversation with? A need to get a new router to upgrade broadband and its resilience. And a, a, a bunch of new questions around the value of the mission, the importance of the mission, but the importance not only of having one, but if you have one, how to hold it and how to recognize what's driving it and motivating it. Listen and see how we can offer the best support.